Welcome back for day five of week five of our look to the book of Isaiah. We've been starting a look this week at what God has to say to us about his vision for comfort in our lives, a different kind of comfort, an entirely different kind of comfort, the kind of comfort that leans on God, that rests in God. And as we turn to Isaiah chapter 42, we turn to the first of what are called Isaiah's servant songs or suffering servant songs. There are four of them in the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, 49, 50, and then in 52 to 53. And they are songs about a servant who is an entirely different kind of leader, a servant who suffers and yet is also a king, a lord, a messiah. By the time we get to the last of these songs in chapter 53, it's going to be as clear as a bell that this servant is Jesus Christ. And this first song tells us three things that Jesus will do for us. You want to be comforted in this world by God's grace, by God's strength, his power? Then it's going to come through Jesus Christ. Now, these are things that you might not at first think of that you need for God's comfort in your life, or they may be things that are obvious to you every day. These are three areas where Jesus Christ wants to come into our lives and as God's servant, bring God's comfort into our lives. Number one, the servant, this, this song tells us, will bring justice. Isaiah 42, one to four. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Now, the idea of the islands that we've been reading these last few days, that's the furthest reaches that you could go out to. Everyone's going to put their hope in him. Notice in these verses that the source of the strength of this servant is going to be the Spirit of God. And notice also it talks about the fact that he's the one in whom I delight. These words remind us of Jesus' baptism, where God's Spirit descends on Jesus, and the Father says, this is my Son, in whom I delight, in whom I am well pleased. In many ways, the fulfillment of this first verse in chapter 42. The following verses talk about a different kind of justice the kind of justice that we all long for in our hearts. Three specific ways he talks about justice here. He uses the word three times. First, he says, it's a justice that's brought entirely to the nations. Our ideas of justice tend to be limited, but God's justice is given to all. It's universal or it's offered to all. It's more, God's justice is more than the right verdict in one particular courtroom or even the protection of those who are victimized in one particular country. As important as that is, and it is important, those are just a taste of the complete justice that God wants to work. God's justice involves setting the heart of every person right with him. It's not just getting the right verdict, not just getting the right result. It's the rightness that comes into our hearts. Everyone living in right relationship with him, that would be true justice. And that's what Jesus offers us because of the cross. He took the just punishment for all of our sins so that all of us can be forgiven by trusting in him. Justice is offered to the nations and live in relationship with him. The Bible calls this being justified. God's justice is seen in our lives because Jesus justifies us because of what was done at the cross. Now, that does not mean that we don't want to see justice done in the circumstances of this world. We are to do, we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But it begins and ends 
with the justification that God gives us in Jesus Christ through the cross. That's the power of God's justice. Our ideas are limited. God's idea is all about his power at the cross. And then he talks in these verses about a second truth concerning justice. He says, justice grows out of faithfulness. It grows out of the faithfulness of the leadership of Jesus. And it's interesting. You see, he, he says he doesn't have to shout to get justice. In fact, this kind of justice won't even crush the weakest reed. It won't even put out a flickering candle. The world's brand of justice, it often destroys with the weak getting caught up in the punishment of the powerful when justice is done. Because we don't know how to sort it out. Jesus does. And so the faithful justice of Jesus, it's, it's a gentle justice. It brings us to him even in our deepest hurts. Just when I feel like the candle of hope is about to flicker out, he gently breathes it back into life. That's his justice. Justice out of that faithfulness of his love. Justice that's given to all, offered to all. And then there's this justice truth that is also in these verses that reminds us that justice is going to be established by Jesus Christ. A perfect and complete justice. It will be done in the end. He will not falter until he establishes justice. God will completely and perfectly finish this world in justice. And we're going to live in that justice for all eternity. There's nothing that needs to be judged that will not be judged. There's nothing that because of Jesus Christ, has been judged that will not be forgiven. That's going to be the eternity that we live in. God's going to finish it. He's going to close the books on justice. That is the hope that we live in because of Jesus Christ. So everything we do is out of that hope. The servant will be God's justice. Second truth about the servant in these verses is that the servant will be a covenant. The servant will be a covenant, verses 5 to 6. This is what the Lord says the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. He's speaking to his servant here now. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. This servant will not just bring a covenant, an agreement between us and God, a commitment between us and God. He will be a covenant. Now, the, the Hebrew word used for covenant here is bereath. And if you look back at the pictures of covenant in the Old Testament, you see that behind this is the picture of the idea of the cutting of the flesh. Sometimes they would cut an animal in two, put it in its two parts, and walk between it as an expression, the, between those two parts as an expression of the fact that this covenant was sealed. I know, that sounds gross to us. So why would they do that? Because God was looking forward to something. As they talked about this word, as they recognized a covenant in that day, they had no idea that this was exactly how Jesus would become our covenant, by the cutting of the flesh, the cutting of the whip, the nails, the sword. Hebrews 9.15 says this, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. First covenant is the law. The new covenant is grace in Jesus Christ. The new agreement is that because of the death of Jesus Christ, you and I have life. You and I have forgiveness. That's what's being pictured here in Isaiah chapter 42 as he looks forward to Jesus Christ in this first servant song. The servant will be a covenant. The servant will be God's justice. And then finally, the servant will be a light. 
I, the Lord, verse 6 to 7, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Light for the Gentiles. That is radical thinking. That is prophetic truth that could only come from God through Isaiah. The hope here is not just for Israel. It's for all people, all nations. Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You need the comfort that comes from God's justice, the comfort that comes from God's covenant, and now the comfort that comes from God's light. He brings to light the hidden things in our lives, but then he brings to light the forgiveness that only he can give. And then we walk in that light. We don't have to walk in darkness anymore, stumbling around. We walk in the light. So we are comforted by the fact that our sins are forgiven. The judgment is finished. We're comforted by the fact that the agreement is given, that he's said to us, you and I now live in this relationship with him. And we're comforted by the fact that he gives us his light to walk in in everyday life. Now, I've said a couple of times that this comfort clearly comes from Jesus Christ. How do I get that comfort in my daily life? Well, back at verse 1, he says, look at my servant. You get that comfort by looking at Jesus Christ. Now, just as a reminder that these words are clearly about Jesus Christ, I want to read for you Matthew 12, 15 to 21. Aware of this. Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one whom I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. So Matthew reminds us that these words from Isaiah are clearly about Jesus Christ. And you and I clearly need the hope that only he can give. In his name, the nations will put their hope. So right now, put your hope in him. Just say to him in prayer, Jesus Christ, I put my hope in you. I put my hope in you for justice. I can't create justice in this world, but you can. I certainly can't create justice in my life, but you have justified me through the cross. Thank you. I put my hope in your covenant, not in the old covenant of trying to put myself right with you by doing good things, by some law, but in the new covenant of your grace poured out of me in Jesus Christ. And I put my hope in your light. I don't want to walk in darkness, my selfishness, the things I want to do. I want to walk in your light, what you've given Jesus Christ. So just as you are the light of the world, I pray that you would bring light even through my life to this world as I follow you. Let people see your light in me today, Jesus. I pray that not based on anything good that I have done, but on the power that you have. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, join us next week. We're going to continue to look at God's powerful comfort seen in the book of Isaiah.